0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson,
1: on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, seven 7 o'clock, I'm Ben Anderson, alongside J.P. Chunga. Filling in for Andy Larson today. Andy is on the road with the Utah Jazz right now as he has his boots on the ground getting ready for the NBA trade deadline. He is traveling very closely with the team to make sure he can see who is with and who is not with this roster over the next 48 hours. We're going to catch up with Andy coming up at 8 o'clock, an hour from right now. If you've got questions you want Andy to answer, he will do so coming up at 8 o'clock. We've already talked about that. So tweet at him, at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter, at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. Or you can tweet at J.P. Chunga, which I believe is just, is it at J.P. Chunga? J.P. underscore Chunga. At J.P. underscore Chunga.
2: I had to make it a little hard.
1: So if you want to talk about the 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 Jazz, you want to talk about the trade deadline, which is exactly why we're here. To talk about the NBA, we want to hear from you. We will also take your calls, 877-353-0700. 877-353-0700. Eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. 700 We will keep you up to date with any breaking news, including a potentially major injury in the NBA tonight. Kristaps Porzingis uh, playing against the Milwaukee Bucks in New York, dunked on Giannis Antetokounmpo, made the dunk. It's a great facial, and then came down, and I, I don't know if he blew out his knee, but he's getting an MRI. He's not due to return tonight. It did not look good.
2: And the Knicks obviously had a great start to the year. They were in right. playoff contention. And this sort of – if they don't have Chris Dapps, it obviously torpedoes the way that they, right. were, they were going for.
1: Uh, and actually could end up affecting what they do at the trade deadline because one of the names that they have been frequently talked about potentially trading, including with the Utah Jazz, is backup center Willie Hernan Gomez. And if all of a sudden they're short a big man, maybe Hernan Gomez is not on the trade block anymore because they say, hey, we need a big guy who can step out and shoot the ball a little bit. He's not Chris Dapps, but he's an okay – he's an NBA player. Uh so maybe they are more hesitant to trade a guy like that who though I don't think the Jazz are necessarily looking to acquire backup big men I do think the Jazz are always looking to acquire shooters and if they could have one for a very small price like they just want to get rid of some salary and the Jazz have expiring deals maybe you could get a deal done there so there's potentially uh s- some some interference with the potential Jazz move there we will talk about that as we hear more about Kristaps Porzingis uh But it is. The trade deadline coming up less than 48 hours, about 36 hours from right now. Uh And the Jazz have been apparently active in trade talks, though it does feel like after the Blake Griffin move that we saw last week, fewer—we haven't seen a deal get done other than really minor moves. Milwaukee and—was it Brooklyn? Made a deal yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Nobody's—Zeller mm-hmm. brother and Rashad Vaughn. I think that's who it was. I could be totally wrong. Non, Non-power-shifting moves so far outside of the Blake Griffin trade in the NBA. I'm curious if we're going to end up having an active trade deadline or not.
2: Well, it's especially interesting with the Jazz, because you wrote about this on KSL.com, the recent six-game winning streak. How does this affect the way that, that they approach this trade deadline? Because they're kind of in a weird scenario where they could push to the playoffs or they could go the other way. And in this scenario... You also have teams that have dropped out of of playoff contention. And if you look at the way that the Pelicans played last night without Boogie Cousins and with uh, Nico Miritich, uh, I'm not sure if I buy uh, them being a full playoff team compared to the Jets. And the
1: Clippers just got rid of their best player in Blake Griffin and got back okay pieces, but Avery Bradley's still on the trade block. I think the Clippers will move him if they can. The Clippers are going to unload DeAndre Jordan, I think, before the deadline. They're going to do it in the next 36 hours. And once they do that, I don't think they have a realistic chance to win games because they're trying to get draft assets and an expiring contract back, which is why they traded Blake Griffin in the first place. They're trying to lose. They are two years away from getting to the point where I think they're even going to be wanting to win games again. Now, I know they have Tobias Harris. I know they've got some pieces that can still help you. I think they're going to try and change that. I think they're going to try and move all those pieces over the next 18 months at the longest and really probably six months going into the summer with the idea that, hey, we're going to start over, we're going to reset, we're going to clear salary, and in the offseason we are going to try and go out and get a Paul George because he's an L.A. guy, see if you can attract LeBron James, though I don't really understand why LeBron would want to go there now if they don't have a superstar, but that's what they're trying to do.
2: And they have less competition in that because the Lakers are now targeting 2019 rather right. than this this Apparently, summer. that's yeah.
1: the rumor now, is that the the Lakers aren't trying to shed money for 2018 because they don't think realistically they can go out and get a LeBron or a Paul George. They're now going to look at 2019, which does mean that this offseason, they traded D'Angelo Russell for absolutely nothing because they purely did that to cut the salary of Timothy Mozgov. And now they didn't need to cut that salary because they're not going to spend it this offseason anyway. So that... Is how you blow it as a front office. And another tampering charge. And another tampering charge today, (laughs) even though this one was a little bit nonsensical, just because Magic Johnson said he thinks Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to win a title for the Milwaukee Bucks, for some reason they slapped a $50,000 fine on the Lakers.
2: But... Does somebody need to explain the tampering rules to Magic? You have to
1: explain everything to Magic. Which is the charm of Magic Johnson. <laughs> you have to explain everything to him like he's a child.
2: Exactly! Which yeah. is, what are you doing? Your job? That's your job! No. It's What's not Palenka his job. doing? His
1: job is just to be Magic Johnson. And just walk around and be goofy, and they'll pay for it, they'll pay the fines.
2: Alright. And then you hope
1: that he's bizarre enough to attract people.
2: Well, it, at least the way that they're playing right now, it's not looking bright for this year. and. I could see them definitely making moves for that 2019 class that has Clay Thompson, Kawhi, and if you're going at after those two players with the nucleus that you have, I think that really improves their team and and that could that could really uh, help them out even though they've clearly messed up the Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell. Absolutely.
1: Uh, you can tweet at us at JP underscore Chunga JP filling in for Andy today, though. We are going to catch up with Andy coming up in an hour from right now. You can tweet at me at Ben's hoops on Twitter as we are answering your jazz questions. We would love to hear from you. We always like talking to you guys. This is an NBA and Utah jazz show. That's why we're here to answer your questions. And we do have some questions rolling in. So thanks to everyone who's uh, listening and tweeting at us. Uh, I can't even I have no idea how to say your name here. We'll just say Jake on Twitter says, "Do you think the Jazz could use the recent inflated value of Ricky Rubio to get a hold of a wing player? If so, who do you think would be a realistic piece?" I I'm guessing the Jazz are seeing more out of Ricky Rubio's recent play than the rest of the NBA is. I don't think the rest of the NBA is looking at these last 6 games from Ricky Rubio when he has been absolutely fabulous. He's been terrific over the last 6 games. I don't think the rest of the NBA is looking at that and saying, Who's this Ricky Rubio guy? Who's the star all of a sudden that we think we need to go out and get? However, if the Jazz felt like they were desperate to move him and absolutely were convinced despite these last six games or regardless of these last six games that they had to move him, maybe this would help a team say, look, we think he can play. We think right now the Jazz don't know how to use him. We know how to use him, and we could go out and make that move. Potentially there's that, but the only teams right now that seem like they would need A point guard and a point guard who's very flawed in Ricky Rubio is the Cleveland Cavaliers.
2: And they're already going after George Hill.
1: Apparently, they're already going after George Hill. Now, Ricky Rubio's cheaper. I mean, Ricky Rubio's contract over the next two years is about the equivalent of what you're paying George Hill this year, though they were hoping, I heard, to try and and get George Hill to either renegotiate or get out of that contract, which I don't think George Hill's ever going to turn down that type of money.
2: And does that change the Cavs and fix their defensive problems? I don't think it's it's no. a move that that helps them out that that way. No, uh, Ricky Rubio's new new found uh, fit into the Jazz offense, uh, at least as of recently, is certainly something that you have to look at and say. This is a positive direction, but I want to see if, if this is sustainable going down the stretch. If this is a sustainable past the trade deadline. Right. He, he started out his jazz career phenomenally. Right, played he, well. He was shooting career best numbers. He was hitting, uh, from three at career best right. numbers. And now, Obviously, shooting 58% right. alongside this Jazz team, yeah, yeah so that helps you out.
1: Here's his last six games. He's averaging 19 points a game, 8.5 rebounds, or I should say 8.5 assists, 5.5 rebounds, and a steal. And only 2.5 turnovers. So you'll take that. That that basically 4-1 to assist-to-turnover ratio is fantastic. You'll take that. Here's what you're not going to get from Ricky Rubio every night. 54% from the floor and 58% from the three-point line. It's not sustainable. He's never been that guy. He'll never be that guy. In fact, there's no one on earth who's that guy. John Stockton's the closest we've ever seen to shooting percentages like that from a point guard position, which is over 50% from the floor. And he did it regularly. And even then he was, you know, at his best, a 40% three point shooter. So you're just not going to see that from a guy in Ricky Rubio who's proven he can't shoot the ball. If you could get Ricky, though, and if he's making his, his layups, which is a, an enormous change. And one of the biggest reasons why he's having success and why Rudy Gobert's return to the Jazz has been so important. If he's able to do that, then maybe you can see Ricky Rubio have a ton of value for the Jazz. And you only have to get him shooting 54, or I should say 45% from the floor. 45% from the floor and 35%
2: from the three-point line. Well, exactly. I mean, look at the way that he started the season. I'm looking at the first eight games of his Jazz career. He was shooting 43%, 37% from three. I don't think that's that's asking way too much, No, but that's that's obviously asking something, but I, don't, I think that's something that you could expect from a starting-level point guard in on this team that could help you out.
1: Right. I think that is something you need to expect from a starting-level point guard. Ricky Rubio has never been that guy, yeah. and this is his seventh year in the NBA. I'm not waiting on him to become that guy, but maybe he's found something now in this jazz system where he's more comfortable off the ball finally, and he realizes, hey, I'm going to get these shots, and I need to be willing to take these shots. And you know what? If you look over the big sample size, which includes the second half of last season, he actually has been shooting the ball quite well. So maybe there is a chance that he's a better than 35% three-point shooter if he realizes that that's the part of his game he really has to focus on and has to develop that uh, later in his career. But you are not going to continue to get these ridiculous percentages. He's shooting right now over the last six games, But I don't think the rest of the NBA believes that this is suddenly who Ricky Rubio is. So no, I don't think it drastically changes the type of player the Jazz could get for Ricky Rubio. But I do think it might change the way the Jazz feel about whether or not to trade him. I think it might give you pause because you say, hey, if this guy can even fit in a little bit, he doesn't need to be brilliant. He just needs to be pretty good, which is what you should expect from a starter. When he's pretty good, the Jazz are very good. When he's pretty good, the Jazz don't lose very often.
2: And he needs to be able to not be a negative uh, as far as a shooter. If, right. if you have a, if you have three positions where you, where you aren't a threat to, for an outshot, outside shot, that makes it incredibly right. difficult. And, and the way that he was playing defense middle through middle part of the year where he wasn't really defending, that's also a, a drastic, a terrible, um, point from your starting point guard. Right. That, that also was affected by the fact that he didn't have Rudy Gobert backing him up as right. well, but, Having somebody at the one in the five positions that uh, that uh hampers you and the right. way that you can play in this game.
1: You just can't have three non-shooters on the floor. Yeah. And right now with Derek Favors at the four and Rudy Gobert at the five, even though I know Derek Favors hit two threes last night, that was the <laughs> fluke, that doesn't matter, Uh you can't have those two together and then Ricky Rubio in the backcourt. Even if Ricky Rubio gets to becoming a... three-point shooter, I don't think that's good enough. I don't think that's enough shooting for what the Jazz are going to try and do if they're trying to spread the floor and pass the ball as much as they are without a dominant, dominant score because the Jazz don't have that dominant score until Donovan Mitchell kind of continues to grow and can get over that 25-point-per-game mark, which I think he can get there, and I think he will get there in his career. He's just not there right now. Uh, when you do that, the, the Jazz can probably get away with having less shooting on the floor. But in fact, you, you, what we're seeing in the NBA is when you do have one of those guys, the best thing you can do is just surround him with even more shooters. So eventually I think the Jazz will go out and still try and replace Ricky Rubio in the long run, unless he can show that he can shoot over 35%. Tweet at us at Ben's Hoops, at JP underscore Chunga, filling in for Andy Larson on the Salt City Hoop Show. Here on ESPN 700, Seth Baird on Twitter tweets in, the rumors that Dante Exum had an awesome offseason, and they were excited for him to be paired with Donovan. Is Dante working out, putting in extra work with Donovan? Obviously, when he's been dealing with that shoulder injury, I think he's been very limited as far as what he can do, and he's not been able to do any contact drills. Now, that doesn't mean he couldn't run some stuff with Donovan, and you saw him during the summer league when he did. He looked very good playing alongside Donovan Mitchell, and those two ideally ought to be able to complement each other because the one thing that Donovan Mitchell it doesn't have is great size. The one thing that Dante Exum does have that he's proven is great size. And then when you can have two athletes like that, if Donovan can show that he can hit the hit the three at again to go back to this kind of baseline mediocre number for point guards at 35% He can do a lot of things because Dante Exum does have an ability to make some plays. He's good when you stick him in the corner and allow him to go baseline because he knows how to find guys with that little shovel pass. And when you put another dynamic backcourt player with him to relieve a lot of that pressure, I think Dante could be even better. So I I don't think he and Donovan have done a lot of work together, but I can't imagine it's going to take a whole lot for them to to gel once they do get back.
2: But isn't it the same problem that you have for Ricky Rubio?
1: There's a huge potential that that's the exact same problem. You've got a long defensive player— who's never shown an ability to shoot the ball, who's kind of always operated on potential versus actual reality. And here's the thing. Rubio's actually shown that he's a playmaker because he's one of the best passers in the NBA. Dante's never shown that. Yeah, I'm not assuming or operating on the assumption with Dante Exum that we know anything about him as an NBA player yet. I, I don't know that he is an NBA player. I don't get the sense that the Jazz have that same type of doubt because they've seen him, they know him. They know his personality. he's got the skill set to be an NBA player, but he hasn't done anything to show that he's more than a backup guard at this point.
2: And he hasn't had the usage for it, right he hasn't He hasn't had the opportunity right. to, to play it because he's been injured so right. so often. if If it's the same scenario where you have a, another player who just can't shoot for you, then then you're in the same boat that you had with Ricky Rubio.
1: right. I'll just say this right now. I think anything you get in the future from Dante Exum is just gravy. Anything you get from his gravy, and that's unfortunate. You ended up with the number five pick, who's been injury prone and, and hasn't quite worked out the way to being a franchise piece that you hoped he would be. Occasionally, that happens. There's been a lot of injuries with top five picks that have that have ruined guys' careers. Look at Greg Oden. Sometimes you never get anything out of him, and that's unfortunate for the Jazz. But you hope that anything you can get from Dante Exum from here on out just adds to kind of the the miracle that you that that occurred when you lucked into Rudy Gobert and when you lucked into Donovan Mitchell. At Ben's Hoops on Twitter, at JP underscore Chunga. We want to hear from you. More tweets coming in. At Take Note NBA says, Is Hood for Saric a possible framework for a trade? Ideally, Philly adding a second rounder. Wings are harder to come by. In a sense, they're harder to come by, but I will say this. Dario Saric is kind of that big man playmaking four that a lot of teams in the NBA want to have. And Dario Saric, I think, has a lot of value. And let me look at his contract. I know he was drafted the same year as Dante Exum, but he didn't, or I should say, yeah, well, as Dante Exum and Rodney Hood, they were all in that same draft. But he doesn't have to get paid for another couple of years because he's only been in the league for two seasons.
2: I would say that without looking at the contracts, just on its face, adding adding Saric is is an, uh, an interesting possibility. It's somebody that you can move forward with because if you're going to make that push for the playoffs, uh, I know G- Goon has done this on Twitter about how, um, there's more value to making the playoffs than to not, than to taking. Well, I, I think if you're making the playoffs and not going forward with players that are going to be on your team going forward, it makes no sense to make the playoffs. Sure. Like if, if you have favors, hood, Joe Johnson on this team past the trade deadline, you're pushing for the playoffs, you make the eighth seed, and you go into a first round series and lose, what did you learn about your team? Right. You learned absolutely nothing Very because low. those right. guys are gone. Right. They're out. If you're going forward with players that are going to be with this team long term, then it makes sense to get the eighth seed, see what you have, have that uh, experience in the postseason. That can help you along the way. And I think if you add Sarge to this team, he could be somebody that you use long term.
1: I think Sarge probably has more value than Rodney Hood in the NBA. Yeah, because you don't have to pay him next year, which you have to pay Rodney Hood coming up in six months, and he's probably going to get $17 million. Right now, Dario Saric makes $2 million a year. He's going to be at about $3 million next year, and then you still have his rights after that. So Dario Saric is worth more, I think, than than Rodney Hood because you don't have to pay him for as long. and He's younger than Rodney Hood is, even though I don't think a lot of people view him that way, and he's still a starting-level player. And I think he's more consistent than Rodney Hood is. Rodney Hood is he's not fool's gold. But like Andy Larson has always said, and I love this description, he's a scorer, not a shooter. You know, he's not this guy that you think goes out and is this unbelievable, he's not Kyle Korver, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people want to sell themselves on. And you can look at his percentages and say, man, he's over 40% from three. He has the ability to dunk on guys like he did last night on Nikola Miritich. How often does he do that? Almost never. Because he never goes to the free throw line. Because he never gets into the paint. And he never gets in the paint because he'd rather shoot the ball. Then really, you know, be that playmaker, and it's why he ended up slipping to number twenty-three or twenty-four in the draft. When he did, he's not Gordon Hayward. He's not that type of guy that I think Jazz fans hoped he would able be able to be, which is that playmaking wing. He's mostly a shooter, and really, he's mostly just a scorer. He's he's a glorified J.R. Smith at this point, which is fine. J.R. Smith's been in the NBA a long time; he's made a lot of money, helped a championship team. I think Rodney Hood can do that same thing, but understand, J.R. Smith's never been the third guy on a championship team. He's the fourth or the fifth guy. And I think that's how Rodney Hood needs to be viewed as well. Maybe Dario Saric isn't any more than that, but he's younger and he makes less.
2: And he feels the need of power forward. Right.
1: Now, I understand why Philly may want to move him. Philly may want to move him because they've got Ben Simmons. If they think Markel Fultz is going to come back and play point guard, they don't need the playmaking skills of Dario Saric. We'll see if that ever happens. But I don't think right now that they're necessarily wanting to get rid of that. And I don't think they would throw in an extra second round pick to try and get rid of Dario Saric. In favor of a guy like Rodney Hood, though I do think uh, Hood's got to be on the on the on the trade block for the Jazz because we've heard so often that he is.
2: And you can see that, yeah. I mean, the comments that uh, Andy got from him uh, must have been a couple weeks ago about his uh, his haters motivating him. Right. The team player relationship sometimes it runs its course. Right. Well,
1: look, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, I need, think Jazz fans need to understand. These guys are smart. I tweeted about this earlier today. You can follow us, Ben's Hoops, at JP underscore Chunga on Twitter. Rodney Hood's not better than Donovan Mitchell. He's not. Right now, he's not better than Donovan Mitchell. And they play the same position. And as much as as I would like you to be able to play uh, Rodney Hood at the small forward, he's just never shown his ability to do that for long stretches. I don't think he's that guy. He needs to be able to be bigger than the guys that he's playing against to really have the success that he wants to have. Because like we mentioned, he doesn't like getting into the paint. He doesn't like going to the free throw line. He's not that physical of a player. So when you're not going to do that, you need to exploit your size by playing against smaller guys, which means he almost has to play at the shooting guard. I think that's where the Jazz are going to keep Donovan Mitchell. I don't think they're going to move him over to point guard right away, if they ever do. They like, I think, that he can be that combo guard in the backcourt that can be a matchup nightmare like he is every time he steps on the floor. With that said... Rodney Hood's never going to be able to start on this basketball team. So can you pay him $17 million in this offseason like I think he's going to get? You probably can't, especially because you paid Joe Johnson $13 million last season. And I don't know if Joe Johnson's a long-term starter. Or not Joe Johnson, I should say Joe Ingles. Uh, If Joe Ingles isn't a long-term starter and has even told Quinn Snyder, hey, I'm fine coming off the bench, well, you can't have two guys that make $30 million coming off the bench that are these three-point shooting wings that don't do a ton of playmaking and can't get to the rim. It's just too much money, and that's why I think you have a guy like Rodney Hood uh, on the trade market, in addition to the fact that Rodney Hood and his agent know that, hey, I'm never going to be a starter here. I'm never going to be the guy here, and my position is always going to be as a backup, and that's not who I want to be because I'm only 24, 25 going into next season, and I'm not just thinking about this next contract I'm going to sign. I'm still trying to sign two or three more contracts, and I can't up my value coming off the bench.
2: And if you you look at the reports from Tony Jones, the teams that are interested in, in Rodney Hood uh it's a bunch of teams that obviously need wings but what is the market for for Rodney Hood you look at the fact that the Jazz are wanting to unload him does that make you more apt to give uh what the Jazz want which is a first round pick does right. that give make you more apt to up the ante on the trade i don't think so and i don't think that the market is is really a determinant for a good splash for Rodney Hood, and the return might just not be there.
1: Seth Baird on Twitter tweets in, do you think the Jazz value making the playoffs more than making a move to make sure that the Stars stay happy? Did the Gordon Hayward loss change their thinking? First of all, you don't have anyone who you're fighting to resign next year that was in that same situation as Gordon Hayward, where Gordon Hayward, you needed to make the playoffs, so you had to go and trade a lottery pick, which ended up being Torian Prince, who's a good player, to go out and get George Hill on a one-year rental because you absolutely had to make the playoffs understanding that you had to show Gordon that you had a chance to win, and maybe that made Gordon's decision to leave for Boston tougher. Regardless, he still did it, but that's kind of neither here nor there. I understand why the Jazz went out and made that trade. You don't have anyone right now that's that critical to your team that has a deadline coming up like that. You've got Rudy for another three years after this. You've got uh, Donovan Mitchell controlled for the next seven years. I don't think Ricky Rubio cares. Yeah, and, and not in a bad way. I just don't think that's what Ricky Rubio's thinking about right now. I think Gobert cares. Uh, sure, but you've Definitely. got him for three more years. What's he going to do? He can't leave if he wants to.
2: Yeah, but uh, not making the, the playoffs doesn't put a good taste in the mouth of somebody who you're going to have long-term.
1: But I think Rudy's also smart enough you can say, hey, Rudy, look, this is a long-term future. We're not playing the short game here. You know Joe Johnson's not a part of this team long-term. You know... Derek Favors is not a part of this team long-term. So we're going to go out and make the team better. We're going to add talent around it because we're trying to win a championship. We're not trying to get to the first round of the playoffs. So if if you feel like you have to talk to Rudy Gobert about that, which I think is really overrated, I think this idea that you have to talk to your star players and explain to them what's going on, I think we think that's the case a lot in the NBA, and I don't think it happens very often. I think there's a few guys in the league you actually need to do that with and prove, hey, we're going somewhere because they have the option to leave next year and can dictate wherever they want to go and make a, however much money they want. And I'm talking LeBron, I'm talking Kevin Durant, which is why they tried to make the moves they did in Oklahoma City and couldn't to keep them around. James Harden. You're talking about those top five or six players in the league that can bounce whenever they want. They can leave whenever they want and go get as much money as they want wherever they can. I think we we tend to, to say, well, every best player on every team in the NBA has that same option or you have that same responsibility to talk to them like that. And I just don't think you do. I really don't think you do.
2: I think his ability and his uh, status at his position um, makes this team too good to miss out on the playoffs. Right, and that's
1: the <laughs> thing. here. And let me say this about Derek Favors and Rodney Hood, and it's what I wrote about today at KSL. How much of an impact has Rodney Hood had on this win streak for the Jazz? He was great last night. He was 12-14 of last night. He played 15 minutes against the Spurs and was okay, 2-5 of five for five points, not a big deal and didn't play the rest of the games because he's been injured. So he's had an impact on one of those games, and the Jazz would have beaten the Pelicans without him. I mean, the Pelicans are not good right now, and the Jazz are red hot. The Jazz would have beaten the Pelicans without him, even with Donovan Mitchell playing poorly. So Rodney Hood hasn't been the difference in this six-game streak. Derek Favors has been very good. Don't get me wrong. He's finishing around the rim. He's rebounding. His defense in Detroit, which started this whole thing, was brilliant. He has a ton of skills. He's giving you, over this stretch, 11 points and 9 rebounds. His career averages are 11 points and 7 rebounds. 54% 54% from the floor over this stretch, over his career. He's just being Derek Favors. What you're seeing from him is as good as Derek Favors is. You lose him, yeah, it probably it's not going to make your team better, but it's not like Derek Favors has hit this recent hot streak where you're saying, well, we got to mm-hmm. see more. No, he's showing you exactly who he is. So if you're trading him, it's because you know you're not going to sign him in the offseason, which you're not going to. You're absolutely not going to be able to sign Derek Favors in the offseason. He wants to start. He's going to play center. He wants to close games. And Jazz can he's offer so- him...
2: One of those things. He's a better player than what he's playing at. Right. Because he, he's not getting the usage. And
1: he probably is. Yeah. And the Jazz can't give it to him. Because there's no reason to. You know what? You know who's a better player than he looks right now? Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's a better player than he looks. But guess what? He's a small forward. Who else is on his team? The greatest small forward who's ever lived in LeBron James. I'm sorry, Jay Crowder. I bet you want to start. I bet you want to look better. I bet you think you're better than you look. You, I know you are. But you're not better than LeBron. Favors is great. He's not better than Rudy Gobert. And the same goes for Rodney Hood and Donovan Mitchell. And I think that's why they need roles elsewhere. We're going to take a quick break. We want to answer more of your questions at Ben's Hoops at JP underscore Chunga as we are about 36 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. We want to hear your thoughts, your questions about the Utah Jazz. Stick around. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, the home of the Utes. Back to the analytics, opinions,
0: and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, 732. I'm Ben Anderson. Filling in for Andy Larson, who usually co-hosts the show with me, is J.P. Chunga. He's the producer for Gunther & Hackett right here on ESPN 700, 2 to 6. Monday through Friday. You can find me on Twitter. You've got questions. We want to answer them at Ben's hoops. We're talking about the jazz, the NBA trade deadline and the NBA as a whole. Take your questions. You can tweet at JP at JP underscore Chunga. Now, one of the most plugged in guys in the league is Zach Lowe at ESPN. And he spoke about the upcoming trade deadline and how he thinks it'll affect the Utah jazz. Here's Zach Lowe. Uh, I believe this was from yesterday. That's a deal. That sounds easy, and then when you actually go to mechanically make it, you're like, man, if we got to take in all this money, the Nets pick just, it may not be worth it. And then from Cleveland's perspective, you got that platoon contract sitting on your book. Like, that's a, that's a harder deal. Mm. That's my only... Co- then you look at, like, a lot of people have pitched me on Twitter. Could they get <laughs> both both Rodney Hood and Derek Favors from Utah? Utah's trying to get rid of both of those guys. Yeah. They're both okay players. They clearly help help cleveland now i'm not sure even both of them together are worth the nets pick i mean like there's a reason utah's trying to get rid of it. this is just it my only point is it's very easy to say put the nets pick on the market it's harder to find a, a trade that works is that fair yeah it is it is hard and i think cleveland's standard right now in that pick is paul george who is not available and almost assuredly will not be available this week um or a really good young player on a rookie contract. That's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. That's the second voice you hear. Zach Lowe is the first voice there. People thinking about the Nets pick, which has a chance to be anywhere from what three to eight. Most most likely, I don't think. I think the Nets are going to falter a little bit down the stretch, even though they don't really have a reason to. They're going to try and make the playoffs, but they're not good enough to get there. Uh, they're going to lose some games to teams who are really trying to make the playoffs. They'll probably win a couple of games to teams that are tanking. I, I and, and then you've got a chance to win the lottery with it. I'm not sure actually totally what all the protections are right now, uh, but l- looking at that pick, I, I don't think that's going to become available, and Jazz fans, you're not getting it unless you're trading Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and you're not trading those guys, because those guys are better than that pick, so there's no reason to go after and get it. I do think that the Jazz, are the. I think the Cavs, I should say, are the Jazz most realistic trade partner. I think there's a reason we continue to hear their names involved, including earlier today, Ricky Rubio potentially being pitched to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's my suspicion. The Jazz are talking very seriously to the Cleveland Cavaliers about deals, and the names you've heard involved are Derek Favors, Rodney Hood, Ricky Rubio, and Alec Burks.
2: But, again, that lends to what he was saying with that. The only first-round picks that you're going to fetch are um, the Cavs pick, which is going to be in the 20s. sure, And then... The Nets pick is all that they have to offer, and you're not going to get that. And that lends to the question of, well, then what's the market that you could drive up and try to set the Cavs betting against somebody else? And you can't. You don't have anybody else that that you could get to drive the price up to that Nets pick. So things aren't really going the way of the Jazz, and the Cavs don't seem at least uh, too desperate that they are throwing that Nets pick at DeAndre Jordan, who would make Derek Favors' market go higher if he's not available. Here's the thing. Cavs need to make a move. The Cavs aren't dumb
1: enough, though. Kobe Altman, their their, uh, new general manager, I hope he's not dumb enough to say, well, we're going to mortgage our future to hope to uh, appeal to LeBron for the next 30 games. Because no matter what you do in the next 30 games, even if you were to go out and get a DeAndre Jordan or get a Paul George, I don't think they're better. Than the Golden State Warriors, I don't think they're better than the Houston Rockets. Even with that point, maybe with DeAndre Jordan because of what he does down low. But the Cavs have very serious problems. But what I would do is I'd be willing to include a good rotation player, who right now is doesn't have the best value. And I would include my own Cleveland Cavalier pick, which right now the Cavs have the fourth best record in the Western or in the Eastern Conference. I think they just lost again tonight, but they're sitting at thirty and twenty-two. They've got a fifty-seven percent win percentage. There are – let me count this really quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams right now that have a better pick than they do uh, or that will have a worse pick in the first round than they do. So you're probably looking at a 22 or 23 overall pick.
2: Yeah, 23 according to Tankathon.
1: Okay. I would be willing to give that up and a rotation player to get guys who I think can help me this year and maybe help win some games for LeBron down the stretch and say, hey, look, now we've got some options if we resign these guys in the offseason and we're going to have to figure out how to make the money work. But maybe that's enough to show you that there's some potential here, and we really are trying to win with you right now, and we're going to figure out how to do it. And those two names are Derek Favors and Rodney Hood. Now, how do I get there with the pieces I have? I go with the 25 overall pick. I give up Jay Crowder, who jazz fans I understand are so low on right now because he has not looked great. My theory is this with LeBron. He's not hard to win with. I think he's hard to play with. Whose numbers go up when they're playing next to LeBron James? Nobody. They don't go up. Kevin Love's numbers got worse when he got, was playing there. Chris Bosh's numbers got worse when he was playing next to LeBron. Dwayne Wade's numbers got worse when he was playing next to LeBron. LeBron is so big and so overwhelming and such a stat stuffer. He he steals your stats. And not in a bad way. He's not trying to pad his numbers. He's, just, he's better at what you do than you are. He's better at being Dwayne Wade than Dwayne Wade is. He's better at being Chris Bosh than Chris, Chris Bosh is. He's better at being Kevin Love than Kevin Love is. He can do all those things that those guys can do, only better. So he's going to take some of those stats because he's going to do it more efficiently. He's going to do it quicker. He's better at it. He's doing the same thing with Jay Crowder right now.
2: I disagree with you on Jay Crowder because I think, uh, he had a career best year. They sold high with Danny, Danny Ainge sure. in, uh, trading him for, uh, with Isaiah Thomas to get Kyrie Irving. You had a very desperate team trying to get rid of, of Kyrie because he was right. going to be a malcontent. You could tell that this just wasn't going to work and you had to get rid of him. And you bought it. And that's what worries me in all these trades. When you're trying to get somebody like Niko Miritich, who's having a career best right. year, yeah, he's going to drive the price up elsewhere, and you're not going to want to forfeit over your first-round pick for him. And they got it from the Pelicans. Right, Somebody's going to give it up for you. And uh, I think that's what that's what happened with Jay Crowder. He got uh, in the trade when he was at his highest maximum Absolutely. trade value. No doubt. and. He hasn't looked the same because he's maybe not that player. And LeBron uh, stealing stats from other people, I, I would push back on that because uh, Chris Bosh sort of created a Hall of Fame position for himself in Miami, being the stretch big that plays defense on that team. Sure.
1: I, Chris Bosh would have been a Hall of Famer in Toronto, too, and was, yeah. it was very well headed there. Let me say this about Jay Crowder, and let's look at sample sizes. We have 145 games of Jay Crowder averaging, let me pull these up. I'm adding these stats up right now on Basketball Reference. 14 points a game, giving you five rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Shooting 45% from the floor and 37% from the three-point line. You've got 150 games of him doing that, playing that type of position, which you're trying to emulate if you trade him to the Jazz. You've got 51 games of him at 8.7 points per game, three rebounds, and an assist shooting 42% from the floor and 33% from the three-point line, which, by the way, is not unplayable by any stretch of the imagination. And I think you're going to give him a bigger role because he's not playing next to or behind LeBron James. I get he's been bad this year, but to kind of counter exactly what you're saying, JP, you're right. Maybe the the Celtics are really smart trading him at his highest value. So be smart and buy him at his lowest value. Because the truth is he's probably somewhere in the middle of these guys. Mm -hmm. So go out and get him. You're going to lose Derek Favors for absolutely nothing. Derek Favors is going to leave. And maybe you can get 30 more games out of him. Maybe he helps you get to the playoffs. I don't think he's the difference between you beating a one seed or a two seed. You're not doing that just because you have Derek Favors. And I don't think you necessarily want to pay Rodney Hood the type of money he might be able to get if there's a team out there that says, you know what? We know the Jazz are going to match, so we're going to way overpay him to get him. And then the Jazz have already made this decision that, well, you can't lose him for nothing, so now you're stuck overpaying him and potentially risk him becoming untradeable. So go out and get Jay Crowder. You have to take on the contract for 30 day or, or for three months, 30 games of Channing Frye, and you get a first-round pick this offseason for Derek Favors and Rodney Hood. I would very very seriously consider that type of deal if I'm the Jazz. Unless you can get way more from Rodney Hood, and maybe that's possible. But if that is the deal that's sitting there because the Cavs need to get better for the last 30 games of the season and you want to get more long-term assets and Jay Crowder still can be a long-term asset for you who's going to be in your rotation at a very affordable price because he only makes $6 million a year for the next two years and you can get another first-round draft pick, I would really, really look at that. Plus, you save all this money by not paying Rodney Hood in the offseason.
2: Is it- uh, is would he be in your long term though? I I find him sort of as I don't want to say sixes with with Rodney Hood, but even, even if he's not this, sixes, if
1: he's sixes with Rodney Hood, if he's as good as Rodney Hood is, and you're trading him and you're paying him ten million dollars less, you're thrilled. You're thrilled with that type of player. Even if he's even if you're paying seventy five cents on the dollar for for the type of player he is versus Rodney Hood, the good news is on the salary you might be paying thirty cents on the dollar. That's what I like about Jay Crowder is you've got him at such a cost-controlled price over the next several years. He might as well be a rookie, and he's going into his prime in a spot and on a team that can use him the same way Boston was able to use him with a smart coach. And let's not forget that Tyron Lue might be the worst coach in the NBA. Now, he's won a championship. He has LeBron. I mean, there's evidence. He left the game tonight, and the, uh, the, uh, the staff around him including like the injury staff, the medical staff for the Cavs was apparently drawing up plays for Tyron Lue while he was ill tonight.
2: Well, I I don't think he has much control over being right. the head coach. <laughs> right. So
1: do we think he knows how to appropriately use these guys? I would say I'm less I less believe that this is who Jay Crowder is playing under Tyron Lue than I am that that's who Jay Crowder was playing under Brad Stevens cuz I think good coaches know how to get something out of guys like that. And that's why Brad Stevens could, and that's why Tyron Lue can't.
2: I mean, it's also really conflated with the Cavs because he also have to work in Tristan K Love. his best uh stretch with the Cavs was him playing the five he has sure. to seed things uh with LeBron with LeBron and they're not practicing right <laughs> and they right. got they got a play they also got a player who is injured right they got a player who is injured and they could have backed out of the trade right. but they, they didn't. didn't right that's that's not Lou that's Kobe right that's LeBron right that's Kobe
1: and LeBron <laughs> right And that's where I think you can buy low on Jay Crowder because he was a throw-in on that deal to make sure it happened. I think you can buy low on Jay Crowder. I think he's an NBA player. I think he's a good rotation. I think he can be a top six or seven rotation player because we know he can because we saw him do it last year in Boston. I think the Jazz could use that type of guy, and he makes a little. And then on top of it, you still get a a first-round draft pick. Now understand, the first round here is not as good as it was last year. This is not a super deep draft, but if you – let's say you – make the playoffs, and get the 15th pick or the 16th pick because you get the 7th or 8th seed in the West. And then you have the 25th pick. Okay, the last draft that was bad, that that people didn't love outside of the top 15, I want to go back and say, was really kind of the Trey Burke draft. And the Jazz did exactly that. The Jazz traded the 14th pick and the 23rd pick, which ended up being Shabazz Muhammad and Gorgie Jang, to get up to number 9. I don't think you're getting up to number 9, but can you go from 16 to 11 and get a guy you like at 11? Maybe. And that way you found a a a way to get value long-term out of a guy in Rodney Hood who you might not want to pay and a guy in Derek Favors who's going to leave anyways. That's why I like that deal, and that's why I might consider it. He's J.P. Chunga filling in for Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson, your regular co-host on the Salt City Hoop Show. We're going to talk to Andy coming up in 15 minutes. One more segment, though, before that. Coming up next, the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700, the home of the Utes. Right here,
0: this is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN
1: 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700, 750. Ben Anderson alongside J.P. Chunga filling in for Andy Larson. Okay, we're going to talk to Andy, I think, in 10 minutes, but he just tweeted out that he got hit by a car in Memphis. I'm not kidding. Andy just tweeted out. So if he's tweeting, he's going to be good enough to talk on the phone. He might be on a stretcher. He might be in the back of an ambulance when we talk to him. But he's tweeting. Are you telling me he was walking in Memphis? I see what you did there. Andy said, though, whoa, I just got hit by a car in Memphis. I'm at a street corner. Walk light turns on and a car turning left just runs into me. We got to get this whole story from Andy coming up in 15 minutes. Not often you can get like a live reaction. I really can't wait. Yeah. Of someone who's been almost murdered by a car. But we're going to talk to Andy Larson. And the good thing about Andy is he's always cheery. He's just a happy guy. So we're going to talk to Andy about how enjoyable this experience was for him to get hit by a car. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Oh, and we'll also talk to him about the latest rumors with the Utah Jazz. Andy very plugged in with this front office. We'll answer some more of your questions that have been coming in at Ben's Hoops on Twitter. At JP underscore Chunga, you want to tweet at us. In this free agent market, does Hood get more than $17 million a year? If not, isn't he a better uh, Evan Fournier and worth the keep? There is, a, there is an argument to be made for keeping Rodney Hood. And it's that he's young. It's that he has upside. It's that he provides a good skill set. It's that he has value and will likely always have value. So even if you find yourself in a spot like Blake Griffin, where the Clippers gave Blake Griffin an unbelievable amount of money this offseason, $35 million a year, and that number grows, where you would think a guy with those types of injury concerns might be untradeable. And obviously that was not the case. And in fact, a lot of people think the Clippers won that trade with Blake Griffin. I don't. I think if you get a superstar, generally you win the trade. But a lot of people think the Clippers won that move. And the thought process there was that, hey, Jerry West went out and signed Blake Griffin just because they knew if he walks in free agency, you get no value in return for him. So re-sign him, pay him whatever you want, and then in the future trade him for something, even if it's an expiring contract and a first-round pick. I, I, don't, I wouldn't rule that out from the Jazz. I wouldn't rule out Rodney Hood being a long-term piece for the Jazz. But I think if they can go into this offseason knowing they don't have to figure that out and they can get a future asset and a player, let's say a draft pick and a player for Rodney Hood, I would absolutely understand why they would make that move. Do I think Rodney Hood can get that type of money in the offseason? No doubt about it because he can score 30 any given night. He shoots the three, and you can convince yourself that, hey, he can be our third best player, and if we're paying him only $17 million a year, that's a steal. Or, hey, he can be our star, and I think there's a lot more to get out of him than the Jazz know. And you're only paying him $17 million a year? Absolutely. We'd love to do that. Plus, the team's going to know that if you pay him too little, the Jazz will easily match it. So you've got to overpay just to get him away from the Jazz in the first place.
2: I think the contender market is definitely more compelling for Rodney Hood than the making him a star market because you've seen him do it. You've seen right. him be uh, that guy who, who can help you on a playoff team. And it could be very serviceable uh, when he's put in the situation to be the scorer with the second unit. And you... You can see that, that he can uh, get that done. Now, is he realistic enough to accept that role? Well, that's that remains to be seen, and, and it's something that he needs to determine in the rest of his NBA future. Right.
1: Seth Barrett on Twitter tweets in, assuming Kevin Love is sick of Cleveland and wants out, what would you give up for Love? He's hurt right now, and he's, seriously, he's got a broken hand. It's not like he blew out his knee, so it's not going to affect his long-term trade value. But the Cavs would love to probably get some value for him and there's some major questions about whether or not he fits. I mean, I'd go Derek Favors and Rodney Hood for Kevin
2: Love. I would
1: go that and you're going to have to give up more money. Probably have to throw Joe Johnson in there.
2: On this team, I'm not sure that that's the correct fit for, for the Jazz. I think the Jazz
1: need a four who can shoot the ball. And if you can continue to get rebounding, I would absolutely trade for Kevin Love. He's but, an all star,
2: but he's I mean, the he's, best five. He's probably best at five. Right. And you're going to play him for Rudy is is that and then sure you're still gonna play him you're getting core. a shooting for which right. is way better than than what you have now right. uh i would see that but i'm not, I'm not sure if, if that makes entire you know decisions. you're not giving
1: up donovan mitchell and yeah. you know you're not giving up rudy gobert and whatever else you're giving up whatever combination of things you're giving up as long as it's not multiple first round picks is less valuable than what kevin love is so even if you're just upgrading your talent and then a future trade asset that's what i would trade I would trade Joe Johnson, I would trade Derek Favors, and I would yeah. trade Rodney Hood altogether to get Kevin Love back.
2: Uh 100%. I mean, if you're going trade or nah on roster for roster, it's obviously Mitchell, Gobert. Right. Bang. Everybody else is on Available. the table. uh Clayson
1: Surly on Twitter. Is it more likely the Jazz get to the sixth seed or make it below the tenth in the lottery? I should think right now it's probably more likely the Jazz get the sixth seed. I think right now you look at the Jazz standings, they are – three games back of the eighth spot, which is the New Orleans Pelicans. They're only three and a half spots back or three and a half games back of the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets have a really tough schedule coming up. Portland having some major issues on that team. They're not winning the games. They should be winning. They're not getting the the production uh, from Nurkic that they thought they were going to be getting early in the season because he was so good last year. Uh, and, And New Orleans, I mean, you saw him last night. That team might be in very serious trouble. And the Clippers who are still in front of the Jazz, I don't think they're gonna be a contender for the playoffs anymore.
2: Six for me though, like is ceiling is the roof. That's the absolute sure. reach for you. Right. <laughs> that that's everything going Absolutely. right. That's you achieving every every single thing. Um right. I think more realistically is where everybody put it before this the season seven, eight. Okay that, that's where I think you could end up. And that that's closer definitely than uh, bottom ten. Uh yeah, and
1: I agree because you look at the teams now that are going to be aggressively trying to lose Clippers Dallas, are done. Sacramento, Phoenix, Memphis are all gonna be trying to lose yeah. games and are gonna be sellers at the deadline to continue to try to lose games, and that's gonna be the same on the East Coast. Atlanta, Orlando, Chicago are not going to be trying to win games. The only other team that's going to try to win games that's currently not in the playoff picture is the Brooklyn Nets because they don't own their pick. And let's see what happens with Chris Stapps tonight. The Knicks right now are four games out of four. The eighth spot. If Kristaps is done for the rest of the year because he dunked on Giannis and hurt his knee, they could easily try and lose some games as well.
2: And I could see the team above them, the Hornets. If if they trade Kemba, yeah, then bang, question. they're all, they're also in contention as a bottom ten team.
1: All right. When we come back, we're going to talk to Andy Larson, the regular co-host here on the Salt City Hoop Show. He's JP Chunga. I'm Ben Anderson. Tweet at us at jp underscore Chunga and at Ben's Hoops. We'll continue to answer your questions. We'll even ask Andy your questions if you want to have Andy answer them as well. Stick around. It's the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues. In the middle of the pouring rain. Won't you look
1: down over I would, me. I would start the show, but if you're gonna Just play a song about Andy getting hit by a car in Memphis, ticket. we but need to get to the, the part where this idiot says, walking in, in, in Memphis.
0: Memphis.
1: I'm Ben Anderson, that's JP Chung I <laughs> run the board, he's also my co-host today, filling in for the guy who actually joins us right now from Memphis, and we played that song because Andy Larson, who's usually the co-host here on this show, He's actually the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. is the beat writer for the Utah Jazz at KSL.com and is, in my opinion, the best source for information on the Utah Jazz. You can find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Andy is in Memphis right now. He's traveling with the Utah Jazz as they uh, approach the trade deadline. And Andy got hit by a car not 15 (laughs) minutes ago. Andy, what the hell happened and why are you on the phone with us? Well,
3: I mean, I'm I'm on the phone with you because I said I would, and I'm I'm fine, so like it's it's not a big deal. But you know, I I went to go get some dinner here, uh, and then so it, it's just me. Tony and Eric both had plans tonight down here, and so it's just me. I go get some fish and chips. I come back, you know, it's a couple blocks away from my hotel, and I'm standing at the street corner, walk light turns, you know, it says walk. So I start crossing the road, and this this car that's turning left on the other side of the road just just turns into me like just keeps going like I wasn't there and 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 hits me a little bit like I, at first I was like okay he's just gonna drive straight and then he turns into me and I kind of dodge it a little bit but he still gets my arm and it's like oh I just I just I just got hit by a car that's what it's like, like yeah that that's never happened before to me I think like most people
1: so did you give him the you know the midnight cowboy? I'm walking here. What did you do? Did you did <laughs> you hit his, his hood? Did you scream? I at?
3: honestly, I honestly just like panicked. I was like yeah. a deer in the headlights of like he stops probably like five feet after and is just like probably ten feet. I don't know, whatever, and rolls down his window and is like, "You okay?" And I just di- I just didn't say anything. I'm sure he thought I was like dead, uh, <laughs> dead or no? I
1: killed
2: him. Paralyzed.
3: Up. I thought he maybe uh, he thought I was like drugged or homeless or something. Uh, I don't know what, but uh, what were you
2: wearing? How could he yeah, think you're homeless?
3: I, no, I, that that's, I was wearing, you know, my usual hipster,
1: uh, attire with the uniform, you know,
3: yep, bright red shoes, the, the maroon jacket. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's nighttime here, right? And it's, it's raining, so I guess visibility isn't great, but, um, I, yeah, I just, I just, I just, didn't say anything. I, I probably should have gotten his license plate. I should have said something or at some point. But he, after I didn't say anything for a couple seconds, he just he just drove off.
1: You have so few opportunities in your life to just kick somebody's door in on their car, and you just had one of them. Because what's he gonna do? <laughs> he hits you with his car. He can't call yeah. the cops and say this guy kicked me. You say you hit me, and then you yeah. fake a neck injury and you get you know eighty thousand dollars or something. You you missed your opportunity to cause serious serious physical damage to that man's car.
3: Yeah, I, you're completely right. And, like, I, there are so many regrets and wants rushing in now. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you're, it's, it's a missed opportunity. And, you know, if I ever do become completely broke, this this will be a, a moment
1: filled with regrets for me. Well, thank God you're okay. I mean, that's the most yeah. important thing. It's a great story also, and you can have it for the rest of your <laughs> life. Uh, another great story is that the Jazz have miraculously won six games in a row now and, are I mean, they're honestly playing as well as anybody. They didn't beat, you know, Phoenix and then Orlando and then Sacramento. They crushed the Warriors by 30. They were in control of a game over Toronto completely down the stretch. They made huge plays when they needed to against San Antonio. They dominated New Orleans. I, is this going to stop? Is this – what is uh, – we know the shooting's not real because no one shoots like this. But yeah. I think this playing well is very real. They're, they're playing as well as you can as an NBA team.
3: Yeah, I, I think they're playing really well. I, I would caution it by saying that they're playing some teams that are not playing well right now. You look at the Warriors, and they've really kind of limped into this all-star break. The Spurs obviously don't have Kawhi Leonard, and they haven't played that well over the last couple of weeks. Toronto, although they played well tonight, you know, and that, that might be maybe one of the most impressive wins the Jazz have had in this stretch. Uh, it's a different story. And then, of course, you've got the Pelicans without DeMarcus Cousins. So, like... I, obviously when you win a game by 30 against the Warriors you know that's that's about as well as you can play and so you know that, I think there is definitely some some realness to it but I think it's it's fair to say okay look they're also shooting 50 percent or more from three I mean last night there was 14 of 21 and then uh, it, it's just it, it, there's there's so much going right that it, it doesn't feel completely real you know like obviously there's the the three-point shooting but then like Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles are hitting mid-range floaters and like Ricky Rubio looks like the best point guard in the NBA and it just looks honestly looks like Chris Paul and you're just like what what is going on with this team and it it's not if it were all because Rudy Gobert were back, right, and just rolling to the rim and doing things on defense. That would be one thing. But the Jazz actually haven't been that good defensively over the last couple of games, and have just won these games with like huge offensive outbursts for for a team in a roster that doesn't make a ton of sense to to expect that from.
2: Well, then, how did this team get yeah. so hot offensively?
3: Yeah, I mean, a really good question. I mean, I, I think you have to point like. Have to variance right? Like I, I, I keep asking Quinn Sider this question over the last three games. It's like, hey, are you just get are you getting better shot attempts, or are you making more of them and just getting lucky? And he says, look, these are the same attempts that we were getting in December, and and he I think he really believes that it's just like this is this is kind of the the turnabout is fair play of when they were last in in the league in three point shooting in December. Now, all of a sudden, they're on complete fire, and it, it's working for them on the offensive end. I mean, obviously, I think when, when you have Ricky Rubio having a good game early, that does open up the offense, and I think that's a real point of change. But then beyond that, I think it's you know uh, just some, some little tweaks of that. Having Rudy Gobert in there does affect the Jazz's gravity. They're playing more and getting good shooting from Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, um and and guys like that who aren't necessarily ball stoppers like like a rodney hood or an alec burks um and and then you even get guys like Derek favors who is rolling to the rim making really intelligent cuts and it, it does seem like they've figured out how to get better shots at the rim at least too but it's i mean the the run that they're on right now is truly historical in terms of you know it's been since 1984 since they've scored 120 points four games in a row and that they've that they've scored sixty points in seven of the last eight halves, and and that eighth half they scored fifty nine. You know, you just don't see any NBA teams do that, much less this Utah Jazz roster, which we thought was was really flawed.
1: Andy, there was a great stat last night on TV. I know you're on the road with the team right now. That's the number of teams that have consecutive games shooting over fifty percent from the floor and fifty percent over three. The Jazz have done it for three straight games, and it's the third longest streak since nineteen eighty nine. It just it does not happen. So yeah, you are yeah. playing historically great right now for the Jazz, but I do think a lot of it does have to do with the fact, and you tweeted this out, Ricky Rubio seems to have figured something out with Rudy Gobert that just was not there. And I don't know why he came back from injury, and all of a sudden he had this this miracle relationship with Rudy Gobert, but what what are you seeing between Rubio and Gobert that has allowed this Jazz offense to play better?
3: I'm seeing a lot more patience from Ricky Rubio where he feels like he doesn't have to take the first opportunity to force the ball into Rudy, that he can go back and, and do a rescreen or or run a play or, or dribble under the basket or kind of wait for the right opportunity to find Rudy Gobert on those roles. And, and, you know, if you don't find Rudy Gobert, then find Joe Ingles or, or Rodney Hood or, or Royce O'Neill or whoever it is in, in the three point corner. But really that's uh, to me, that's what it is, is instead of Rubio kind of forcing this advantage that I think think he, he thought he had earlier on in the season, he's waiting for Rudy Gobert to get open. And, you know, I, I think some of it is just teams spend a lot of energy stopping Rudy Gobert from rolling to the, the basket. I mean, Ian Clark, like, bear hugged him last night, right, from rolling to the rim. That happens more frequently than I think we notice, and a lot of times Rudy Gobert just isn't strong enough or, or gets stopped on that role, and so he's not where the point guard expects him to be. And I think Ricky Rubio is kind of waiting to see, okay, Rudy is where they're at the basket, now I can get him the ball easily, and it's, it's an easier two points, and you know that's been a big key to what's, what's helped the Jazz's offense so far.
2: Is it, it at least seemed that Ricky Rubio's big success came with an athletic big like Carl Anthony Towns, and, and that was when he was playing his best basketball. Is it replicable past this winning streak with Rudy Gobert and, and Derek Favors going forward?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think they're obviously very different bigs, like you point out, and, and so much of Ricky Rubio and Carl Anthony Towns' chemistry was about that pick-and-pop shot, which – you don't really want either Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert taking. you really rather prefer those guys to the rim. And, you know, it, when you look back at the other bigs Ricky Rubio has had, and it's Gorgie Jang, it's Kevin Love, it's Nikola Miritich, all those guys, maybe Miritich accepted. Uh, not Miritich, sorry, Pekevich. I'm thinking Pekovic. Um Maybe Pekovich accepted. You You want him rolling to the rim a little bit, but even he's got a pretty good mid-range jump shot. All of those guys are are maybe better pick and pop bigs than they are pick and roll bigs, and I think he needed some time to adjust to find you know what that rhythm is for you know playing with those guys, especially two really dominant pick and roll bigs uh, at the same time and, and that sort of spacing. So uh, I, I think there are some real you know some of this isn't real right in terms of Ricky Rubio making his first ten shots of the game that that may never happen again in, in his NBA career. But in terms of his relationship and able to be able to find those guys, wait for the right moment, and then set them up for those easy baskets, I think we're we're seeing some real development.
1: It also doesn't seem crazy to me that he ought to be able to make layups. And he's been making layups. Right. Like It's not insane to think that that guy should learn how to make layups at some point in his life, and maybe he has. And if he does that, he is significantly more efficient.
3: Agreed. And, and he's he can be so much more aggressive in how he attacks the pick and roll. And, and you're right, you know, at some point, you would think a seven-year NBA pro would learn how to use to make layups, and maybe, maybe we're seeing that. You know, when when the Jazz first acquired R- Ricky Rubio, that was one of the things they were really confident they could get some real development from him in is, is making layups on the floor, and, um, and we're starting to see that in, in the last couple of weeks. Now, again, it might not be real. He certainly had the stretch at the end of last year where he was scoring 16 points a game, and maybe we're kind of seeing the equivalent. Of him in a jazz uniform, but uh, it, th- when Ricky Rubio is good, it opens up so much for the Jazz's offense that all of a sudden it just becomes actually really efficient, as as we've seen o- over the last what four or five games.
1: Well, then yeah, I mean, then he has a search dribble where if that layup's not right. there, he can keep dribbling, and then the defense sucks down on him because they want to grab rebounds or help at the rim, and then you do get Joe Johnson, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Rodney Hood, Al- whoever they get open shots, and I think that's where you know these shot makers come in, and that's where he's a very poor man's version of Steve Nash, which is what Hal Neto's been able to make a career doing, which is what the jazz system allows. Uh, Andy, let yeah, me ask you. Well, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. No, and,
3: and I think that was kind of a question is how Ricky would be able to fit next to two rolling bigs or even one rolling big in, in Rudy Gobert and how that would work out. And now all of a sudden we see some of this potential where it's like, okay, this this might actually happen against uh you know against a a wide variety of nba teams i mean i don't know that they're more different teams than the the last four opponents that the jazz have faced so far i guess you could say none of them have that traditional rim protector which might be me be helping them a little bit but uh you know the warriors should be one of the best defenses in the league the spurs usually are uh pelicans can be if they try although i didn't think they tried that hard last night i mean there was it's, it's been some really impressive stuff,
1: uh Andy, does the last six games change how the jazz approach the trade deadline? You know it's funny like
3: i I think maybe a little bit in terms of how much urgency they feel to get a deal done you know i I think maybe two weeks ago they they go into this and say, Look, if worst comes to worse, we have to trade Derek favors for two seconds and kind of start the trying to look at what our 2018 pick will be and, and maybe hope to get as good of a pick as and possible in that draft, uh, cool. And if not, then, uh, you know, I, I think really they still want to get value out of their, their assets that are expiring, right? Like it still makes too much sense given that you're not going to be a contending team this year. I don't care if you make the 6th seed, seven seed, 8th seed, you're not going to make it past the first round. And, and so you're you're looking at what do we do to make this team better in 2019 and 2020? Those are the real main goals for the Utah Jazz. And if you can trade a Rodney Hood or a Derek Favors to get something that's going to make you better then, then great. I, I also think it's less likely because of the market has changed, at least from what the Jazz maybe thought it would be. I, you know, so Ben, I, I, I mean, like, Nikola Mirotic gets traded. Obviously, that that means not only one of the players you're interested in is is off the market, but a, a potential buyer in New Orleans is gone. Boston signs Greg Monroe. The Bucks get Tyler Zeller. Uh, all of a sudden, these teams that you you thought maybe needed a center no longer need a center.
1: Andy, looking at the buyout market, then uh, obviously that's where Greg Monroe was had. Are the, do the Jazz have buyout candidates, and would the Jazz, you think, potentially be interested in a potential buyout player if they are able to free up a, a roster spot?
3: So that's the thing is you would be, you know, the, the, the thought is you're, you're probably going to be buying out Joe Johnson after Thursday if you're not, not able to trade him, or maybe even buy him out if you need an extra uh, roster spot in a trade if you're doing a two-for-one where the, the two is coming into the Jazz so um and at that point, are you going to get a better buyout candidate, a better fit than what Joe Johnson is? And I you know, I, I look around at the league at, at the buyout market, and I don't know that I see anyone that that's going to be a good fit that would kind of be willing to sign for what the jazz can offer, and it's going to be an upgrade on what they have.
2: Who has the greatest market that you see on the jazz, and who do you think moves by Thursday?
3: I think, you know, among realistically traded players, obviously, you know, you, if you trade Donovan Mitchell, you could get the world. Right. But uh, <laughs> if you, if, you know, amongst the realistic players, I think it's all Rodney Hood has, has the highest value by by far. I mean, that he's a wing player is honestly the biggest issue is that there are so few wings in this league that can, can reliably shoot um, and, and reliably score in the way that, that Rodney Hood can, and I I know that reliably is a little bit of a question mark, but you guys know what I mean in terms of being able to shoot well from the outside, um, maybe even create his own shot a little bit in the pick and roll. Those are things that teams really like. Um, And obviously you get the restricted free agency there too. So there are numerous teams that are at least somewhat interested in Rodney Hood. Uh, You know, I I think Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune has done a good job of reporting who some of those teams are Um, But there, you know, whether that be the Bulls, the Pistons, the Thunder, the Nuggets, um, all these teams have at least passing interest in Rodney Hood. And it's just kind of, are those teams willing to give up a first-round pick or a really quality kind of a a long-term player asset that, that fits the Jazz, again, for the next year to two, three years, period.
1: Andy, I said earlier on this show, I think the Cavs seem like the best fit for the Jazz to make a trade with. They're a team that needs short-term upgrades and can offer a late first-round pick. They've got some decent rotation players that might not fit with their roster, guys like Jay Crowder, etc. I I think they've got a lot of pieces where you could find a good marriage for a trade with the Jazz, and the Cavs wouldn't lock up anything long-term. Do you see a team out there that you think, hey, that makes a lot of sense for them to make a deal with the Jazz that isn't the Cleveland Cavaliers?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with your Cavs' point. I would also throw in the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is funny because I've actually been told by, by someone that the, the Thunder aren't a great trade partner for the Jazz, but you look at their situation, since I've heard that anyway, this is, this is something I heard about a month or two ago. Now with uh, Andre Robertson out, they are starting Terrence Ferguson at the wing, and, and he has produced absolutely nothing in, in that role. I think clearly they need some wing help and clearly they need some backup center help. And if you look, that's, that's Rodney Hood and Derek Favors, right? You could even go Rodney Hood and, and XA Udo if you wanted to. So um, I, in terms of what they would give up, that's kind of the difficult part where they don't have a first-round pick to trade. But you know, it, maybe you take a flyer on Terrence Ferguson to see if you, you want him um, and, and if you can kind of use your player development system to turn the tools that Terrence Ferguson has into an, an NBA player, um, that might be worthwhile. Alex Sabrinas is obviously another name that they have that the Jazz have liked for a while. But to me, they're they're like the biggest team that that has a clear need for the guys that the Jazz have have to sell.
2: You mentioned it uh, a little bit ago uh, about the Jazz's uh, defensive foibles, at least as of late. What is worrying you, at least defensively, in the way that they're playing?
3: I mean, not a lot other than, you know, it's funny, uh, over the first, so they're on a six-game winning streak, right? And and over the first four games, they were very good defensively. I mean, doing all the great Rudy Gobert things that we've seen. And and really, it's just when you have a 70-point a half like the Pelicans or the Jazz did last night, and you allow the Pelicans to score 64 points, you kind of start uh, to think maybe this is a, a worrying thing. Now, you had some outlier performances, and, and Rondo hitting four threes in that first half that that's just not regularly going to happen but I think you know I, I think there has been a occasional slippage or two on the defensive end not I i don't think I'm worried about it but I think it's one of those things that you shouldn't rest the Jazz shouldn't be able to rest on their laurels of coming into a six-game winning streak and think they've solved everything I you know I think uh, the defense still has to perform at at the level that it did at the beginning of this win streak for them to have continued success through the rest of the season, the season.
1: Andy I asked Tony Jones this last week on the show so I want to ask you now, because it was two weeks ago now yeah three categories the jazz make a trade very likely likely or unlikely
3: uh very likely in, in my mind still i mean even even with this six game winning streak even with the market changing the way that it does i I, I still think, even a deal for, like, a Joe Johnson, um, may be likely at this point. Obviously, Howell Neto has interest. I mean, how committed are you to bringing him back? Uh, and then, of course, there's Rodney Hood and Derek Favors, right? Uh, that, I, uh, there's still expiring contracts that it makes sense to move.
1: Does Favors have value on this team? I mean, what, what is, I, yeah. I guess I'm trying to figure out, and, cause this is a question I was having with, uh, a conversation I was having with uh, the listeners on Twitter earlier today the value you get back for him versus the value he provides over 30 games and in the playoffs if you make it, what's the difference?
3: Uh, In terms of the value if you trade him? Like, obviously,
1: it depends on what you get back. If you get a first-round draft pick, I think it's an obvious choice. But at what point is it not worth making a trade just to trade Derek Favors because he may not want to be here?
3: Yeah, it's, it's a good question, and I think you have to look at what picks you would get back and or what player asset you'd get back. So, like, uh, I think, you know, uh, for example, I would probably trade favors for Alex Sabrinas, who is a guy, um, or even a Patrick Patterson from from the Thunder, who is a guy, both of those guys haven't really produced, which is why they need a guy like Derek Favors. But given how unlikely it is that Fave will be returning to this jazz team, and I, I, I think it's very unlikely in, in free agency, then uh, to have someone that you can, keep on your roster in 2019 or 2020 and just kind of extend the asset i think is is a a worthwhile goal so if you need to take back a a cole aldrich to get a, a terrence ferguson and an alex sabrinas or someone like that a, a honestly a, a solid prospect that the jazz like that they think they can turn into a rotation player um a, a young guy i think makes some sense i don't think i would trade Derek favors for one second round pick I don't think I'd trade Derek Favors for even a good second-round pick in this year's draft just because of how this year's draft talent uh, tapers off. Huh. But uh, if you look at some, maybe a future pick, maybe a future protected pick, yeah, I think you you have to absolutely consider and probably pull the trigger on those fields.
1: Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. Andy, I learned this when I was young. You look left, then you look right, and then you look left again when you're crossing the street to make sure you don't get
2: killed by cars. It
3: would have been too late. I, I had to, that... that one look right was all I needed, and I looked right, and the car was coming at my body. <laughs> yeah.
2: Back in the day, I would always hold my parents' hand. Yeah,
1: yeah, hold someone's hand. You're there with people. I'm not. Who's on the road with you, Is Eric? There. I mean, so yeah, Eric and Tony are here, but they this, they had other dinner plans. Those are great people. You could get in the middle of that and hold both their
2: hands. They let you <laughs> out of your out you're, of their sight. So thoughtful. How uh, did they let yeah, you out of their I sight? I am
1: like a a bad example for poor little
3: Oliver, for example.
1: Yeah. All right. Have a good one, Andy. Thanks. All right. See ya. There he is. Andy Larson jumping on with us regularly, the voice here on the Salt City Hoops Show. But he is on the road with the Utah Jazz. J.P. Chunga filling in. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your questions, talk some more trade options for the Utah Jazz. We'd love to hear from you. Tweet at me, at Ben's Hoops. Tweet at J.P. at J.P. underscore Chunga. This is the Salt City Hoops Show. On ESPN 700, Utah's number one sports talk.
0: Yay, this is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number
1: one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. I'm Ben Anderson. Fill it in for Andy Larson is JP Chunga. He's the producer for Gunther and Hackett right here on ESPN 700, two to six, Monday through Friday. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. You can find JP on Twitter at JP underscore. Chunga. I usually co-host the show with Andy Larson. We just talked to Andy. Uh, we will get this file to him and have it uploaded so you can catch the entire podcast if you want to go back and listen to this before the trade deadline. JP and I have been talking a lot of different trade options with the Utah Jazz and taking your questions, and we will continue to do so. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter, at Ben's Hoops, at JP underscore Chunga, as I had mentioned. Seth Baird on Twitter. With rumors, with players on the move, who would best fit with the Utah Jazz? There's a lot of names being thrown around right now here's what I think the valuable spot for the Utah Jazz is. Outside of taking back another center, which you don't need, unless it's just a salary match to make a bigger deal, or a power forward in the mold of Derek Favors, which truthfully, there just aren't that many of those guys. Derek Favors is a bit of a dinosaur at the power forward, but he's very modern as a center, which is why he's going to get traded and go play center somewhere. The Jazz can pretty much take on anything. Now, I wouldn't go out and try and get a point guard necessarily but if you knew you were getting an upgrade on ricky rubio and you could trade back you you could trade a player to get that back sure go do it if you can upgrade your roster in any position do it the only thing you can't do is try and take away minutes from rudy gobert and donovan mitchell and the jazz aren't going to do that and the nice thing is you find minutes for donovan mitchell if he needs more minutes of the point guard you play him there if he needs more minutes the shooting guard you play him there and gobert's going to get his 26 to 28 minutes every night because he's one of the three or four best centers in the league if not one of the you know first or second best centers in the NBA. So I think that Jazz actually can take on pretty much any player that you're not committing major long-term salary to unless they're a really high-level talent, and you can figure out how to work them into your rotation.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm looking for somebody that can provide the need of of getting of unloading people um, in the favorshood uh, Johnson area, and then can they provide something going forward and I look to wings. I I think that you need to upgrade the wing position, obviously the power forward position. Uh, anything that could help you out there would be a perfect fit. So these rumors are coming from
1: NBA.com, just looking around the NBA, players that are out there, whether or not they're a fit for the Jazz. The Wizards are engaged in Marcin Gortat trade talks. Now Andy had an opportunity, or we talked about a potential trade a couple of weeks ago that was uh Jazz get Marcin Gortat, and a first-round draft pick from the Washington Wizards in exchange for Royce O'Neal and Alec Burks. The nice thing about that deal was that you got a first-round draft pick. You got to shave $10 million off your salary this offseason. You got a first-round draft pick, but you do take back the contract of Marcin Gortat. I said I would do it. And Andy, I was able to convince Andy at the time that the Jazz should do it. I don't know if you should do it anymore.
2: I was going to say, Because the
1: first round pick you're getting from the Washington Wizards now is probably not better than Royce O'Neal. And the gap between Marcin Gortat, who's a backup behind Rudy Gobert, and uh, what you get from Alec Burks right now is probably not enormously different. So I wouldn't trade Royce O'Neal for that late first round draft pick right now because you do have him for the next two years at about a million and a half dollars each, which is very valuable.
2: Yeah, I don't think adding Marcin Gortat, Helps he doesn't you, get you better helps at all. you in any way. Yeah. All
1: you're trying to do is, is get I'm that low, first round but, draft pick. Yeah.
2: And you're basically trading salaries.
1: I would have made that deal two weeks ago. And, and what you've seen from Royce O'Neal now, closing games and playing as well as he has, it's probably worth seeing if that rookie pans out because he's looking like a first round quality player. And you don't trade that for another first round pick unless you have to cut salaries. And the Jazz certainly don't right now.
2: Yeah. Right now that pick is 24. Yeah. And, and this draft, you might get a player better than Royce
1: O'Neal, but it's probably a long shot that you do. And you know what you have in Royce O'Neill right now, and he still has a lot of upside. So I really like Royce. Uh, I would not be in the market for Marcin Gortat if I'm the Utah Jazz. Uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers are trying to get George Hill. Would the Jazz have any interest in George Hill? I don't think so. Now, I said if the Jazz could make an upgrade at point guard, would they? Probably. Is George Hill a better player than Ricky Rubio? For most of the season, he has been, even though he hasn't been playing a lot in Sacramento. I think that's more because they're trying to play young, more so necessarily than just the fact that George Hill lost it in the offseason. But George Hill's considerably older. Sounds like there was some issues with the front office after the Jazz didn't give him the deal he wanted. And I just don't think that's a fit any longer.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of uh of dealing deal of making that deal. Yeah. The I'm Nuggets not. are looking to trade Emmanuel
1: Mudiay. Uh was a top ten pick, was once thought of as a, a potential superstar in the NBA. He's actually played better this year than he has at any other point in his career. But the Nuggets have Gary Harris. They have Jamal Murray. They simply do not need a guy like Emmanuel Moutier. And I'm really not sure if Moutier is a long-term NBA player. Unless the Jazz are giving up absolutely nothing to get him, I, I wouldn't trade for him.
2: I've, yeah, I think this would be a, a nice flyer to have I, because still young, right? 21, uh, I'm okay with with giving him an opportunity on this For a second-round
1: draft pick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not giving up Dante Exum for him. And I'm not sure what the Jazz have salary-wise, right? Like, I, I don't know if I would give up Howell Neto for him. Because really? I think Howell Neto might be a better player long-term than Emmanuel Moudier.
2: Really? You wouldn't give up Howell Neto?
1: Neto is a really good backup point guard. He's exactly what you need from a backup point guard. Yeah. He shoots the ball well. He's over 40% this year from three, I think. He doesn't turn it over. He plays hard defense. He's never going to think he's a starter on the NBA and cause tra- cause problems. And I'm worried that that's the case with Emmanuel Moudier.
2: I like the the body of Emmanuel Mudiay as, yes. as something that that could help you at the point guard position. If he if he can fill in the role and and add to a, a team like like the Jazz, which has a a good culture that you could help him out with, so that he isn't uh, coming into this team and being somebody that's unsettling. Then yeah, I I think he would be a a perfect fit. And Quint Snyder putting him in the system. I think he could really Maybe. Be- benefit. And he's shooting, he's
1: shooting the ball better this year than he ever has before. I just, I would not give up a lot to get him back. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks are shopping Marco Bellinelli and Urson Ilyasova. Ursan Ilyasova is exactly what you think you want from an NBA player. He's big. He shoots the three. He plays decent minutes for you. He's always productive when he's out there. And for some reason, he's been on 10 teams in 10 years, it feels like. Because teams just see him. They get him for real and they say, ah, okay. Go do something somewhere else, and we'll trade you for whatever. And he always gets thrown in on these trades, and someone signs him for very little. In that sense, you don't need him. And actually, Marco Bellinelli kind of has that same story. Now, could the Jazz add more shooting to their team? Could they use more shooting? Absolutely. And I actually think if you do this, you think you're trying to make a push to get to the playoffs because these guys are short-term answers to come in and help you. But I don't think you want to take on their longer-term deals.
2: I could see Bellinelli in a... uh your backup plan when you don't get Miritich, right? Sure. Or or Ilyasov even fills that role. Yeah, he fills that sort of uh, type of role but I'm not sure if I'm going throwing out the kitchen sink to bring in Bellinelli.
1: Dennis Schroeder also from the uh, Atlanta Hawks is on the trade market. He's young. He's interesting. The Jazz apparently had interest in him during the draft. He's got some weird attitude issues. He doesn't do a ton of things that you love your point guard to do and I think the Jazz need a shooter. I'm honestly not sure he's going to be a better player than what you think Ricky Rubio has showed over the last week that he might be able to become in a jazz uniform. I wouldn't make a deal for Schroeder because you have to pay him three years and $46 million the rest uh, of the way.
2: Yeah. Do you like Brandon Knight as an NBA player? Cause that's right. what you're getting. Right. And yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in.
1: Right. And you're not giving up a $15 million
2: salary to get him back. Yeah. Uh, other options,
1: other players that are out there. This is all from NBA.com. The Orlando Magic are open for business, which is Evan Fournier, which is uh uh pretty much whoever you want Aaron Gordon is obviously the name I think jazz fans are most interested in Vucevic is obviously on the uh, on the table as well Aaron Gordon I think the jazz would love to have the jazz loved him before the draft the jazz worked him out twice including a secret workout that they didn't tell anyone about the jazz I think would absolutely love to get a guy like that who's shown the ability to shoot the 3 this year is a great ball handler is an unbelievable passer and then is maybe the best athlete at his position in the NBA currently
2: and go 1 through 5 right uh, switching right which is uh, perfect for for this team
1: i can't imagine the jazz can get him
2: yeah with any piece they're willing to trade
1: rodney hood doesn't get you them uh, doesn't get him there Derek favor certainly doesn't and the jazz draft picks aren't guaranteed to be great enough to get them a player better than aaron gordon i could see aaron gordon getting traded because i don't believe in the Orlando. i don't believe the orlando magic front office is any good but i don't think it's for a piece that the jazz have
2: and Um, yeah uh, every, I mean, with everybody available on the Magic, I think Evan Fournier I would be willing to go for. Probably the most interesting player to go for.
1: Uh,
2: has some connections through Rudy Gobert.
1: They know each other from the national team. Uh, and, and yeah, maybe he's interesting. And maybe you can get him for Rodney Hood and Derek Favors. Is that a piece you think is a long-term keep and those salaries I think probably match up? Is that a better option than you can get somewhere else? Can you get him for Joe Johnson because Joe Johnson's expiring and then they just buy Joe Johnson out and put him on the market and they get out of a salary, but you probably have to give him a first-round pick maybe to get Evan Fournier back even in that deal. And I don't think I would do that if I'm the Jazz. The Blazers have shopped their bad contracts. Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard are there for the taking, but will Portland break up its star backcourt with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum? Lillard is certainly not on the trade market. I don't think he's ever going to get traded. He's the heart and soul of that Portland team right now. It wouldn't surprise me if they run into a point where they say C.J. McCollum just does not work in the backcourt with Damian Lillard. My question is, would the Jazz be willing to give up enough to get a guy like CJ McCollum, understanding that you're going to have very similar questions of whether or not he will ever fit in the backcourt with Donovan Mitchell because they're both really small and they have somewhat similar skill sets.
2: Yeah, I think that would end up being the same thing that you would have. You would have to become Portland too, where you're just, uh, operating ISO heavy. And I'm not sure that's the, that's the best way to, to operate, um, as a team. And, and I, I like McCollum's game, but, Creating a Portland 2 doesn't really do anything for me.
1: Seth Barrett on Twitter. I'm kind of a fan of Kelly Oubre Jr. Would the Wizards trade him, and how would he fit with the Jazz? I love Kelly Oubre. I liked him before the draft. He's bombastic. He's audacious. He's he's a kind of a crazy person. But I like it about him because he want him to be energetic and go out and play a ton of defense and dunk on people when he gets the opportunity, and he can kind of do those things. I, I like Kelly Oubre. You're getting Kelly Oubre back by taking on their worst contract this offseason, which is Marcin Gortat. And, again, I just don't think the Jazz have the ability to do that. So I, I like Oubre. I don't think the Jazz can realistically get him. Maybe. Maybe for Rodney Hood. Uh, and I would consider that because, again, Kelly Oubre is a guy whose contract you control for another year beyond uh, Rodney Hood. But I I would be surprised if that deal ended up working out.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Oubre. Again, I go back to the body. I mean, being six seven and having the reach that he has. Yeah. He is exactly uh what you would need and what could help out a Jazz team. He, I, I, I'm not as sold on his crazy as you, <laughs> I think. That, as it being a benefit? Yeah, as it being a benefit. Oh, I, I talked to him before the draft. I interviewed him before the
1: draft, and he said his game was somewhere between Kobe and James Harden. Yeah. Well, Kobe's <laughs> one of the ten best players probably of all time. James Harden might get there, and he thought he was between those two guys. <laughs> so that's that's real crazy. Uh let me say this. There's no guarantee that Kelly Oubre ends up as a better player than Jay Crowder. Okay. Um I think his ceiling's higher. His ceiling's much higher cuz he's younger and he's more athletic. Yeah. You got to realize it. A lot of guys yeah, a lot of guys have much higher potential. A lot of guys have higher ceilings than Jay Crowder. Not everyone gets there.
2: And I mean he's also in a position lock in Washington. Sure. Otto uh, right, right. taking minutes away from him.
1: Uh, it, it, He's really good. He's Bradley. actually had a very good year this year. He's averaging 12 points a game, uh, about five rebounds. He gives you an assist, and he shoots better than I thought he was shooting. He's a 48% from the floor shooter. And actually, this season, he's shooting 38% from three on four a game. That's a very valuable player. I don't think the Jazz could get him for Rodney Hood because there's a yeah. chance. Cause he's A, he's still younger than Rodney Hood by quite a few years, uh, and you don't have to pay him as soon as Rodney Hood does. I would not, if I were the Wizards, I would not trade Kelly Oubre for Rodney Hood straight up.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he's improving from getting to the line standpoint. Right. Yeah, I, I like Kelly Oubre. I like Kelly Oubre a lot too. Yeah. Uh, I like And I, again,
1: I like his crazy a little bit. <laughs> but there's a chance that he ends up as a Jay Crowder type player in his prime. Or JR. Or JR. That's, yeah, it's he's, crazy. Not, he's <laughs> not Kobe or James Harden. He might be JR Smith or Jay Crowder. Yeah. And you hope he's Jay Crowder. <laughs> probably in that sense we're gonna take a quick break you got more questions more thoughts on players you like could the jazz get them tweet at us at ben's hoops on twitter at jp underscore chunga it's the salt city hoop show espn 700 the home of the youths right here this is salt
0: city hoops on utah's number one sports talk espn 700
1: to the Hoop Show, ESPN 700, 848. Ben Anderson, J.P. Chunga filling in for Andy Larson today. Andy's in Memphis with the Utah Jazz. They're preparing to get their seventh straight win, which I think they will. Memphis has been playing terrible since the news that Mike Conley was going to be out for the rest of the season, and Memphis has just been bad this year flat out. They are going to now, I believe, try to lose games to improve their draft stock. So beating the Jazz here in the dog days of the NBA before the All-Star break makes very little sense, and nor do I think they've got much of an opportunity as well as the Jazz are playing. Uh, Some good games around the NBA, though, today. Good one going on right now on TNT. Oklahoma City on the road at Golden State. Oklahoma City actually playing very well to start this game, 13-4, Golden State is dead right now. Now, that doesn't mean that the Jazz win over Golden State here in Salt Lake by 30. Doesn't have value, but understand that Golden State is just not the team that they have been in years past, at least as far as their effort goes right now. They are not out there trying to win 70 games this season. They're trying to get healthy. They're trying to stay healthy the rest of the season, and I think they are just cannot wait to get to the all-star break to relax a little bit and then kind of turn on the burners. Uh, and then they'll, they should, ideally, most likely run away with this thing. But we'll see what types of trades are made here at the deadline. Let me ask you this, JP. Which teams out there do you think should be buyers at the trade deadline because they think they have a realistic shot to beat Golden State if the stars align?
2: Uh, I like Houston. I really do. Houston's the best. Yeah, No I, question. I think Houston, Houston's obviously a team that would want to upgrade somewhere. Um, I think this OKC team, uh, really, especially when you have uh, – Terrence Ferguson having to step in for your team, that's that's a team that can play defense, and in the playoffs right. when you need when you need a team to defend uh, over a seven game series, this team can figure it out. and And I think that the they're figuring it out offensively. and And when you have three uh, stars, right, they'll figure it out.
1: And, and that's what we saw when the Cavs beat them two years ago. Is what happened. It wasn't that. The Cavs were operating as this unbelievable five-man unit. and The ball was flying all over the court. No, they were going down and taking turns saying, LeBron's turn, Kyrie's turn. LeBron's turn, Kyrie's turn. See if you can stop us one-on-one. Do everything you can and throw your guys at us. And if you can stop us, that's fine. But if you collapse on us, we are going to kick it out to Kevin Love. We are going to kick it out to Channing Frye. We are going to kick it out to J.R. Smith. And we think we can win games that way. And I actually think this Oklahoma City team is going to have that same ability. Because they're going to say, fine, we'll go high isolation. Steph Curry versus Russ Westbrook. See if you can beat that. And if I'm beating Steph Curry off the dribble and getting to the rim, now you're going to have to throw extra defenders at me, and then do you have enough shooters and stars around him to make shots. And the nice thing is it doesn't have to be just Russ because now you can go to a guy like Paul George for 10 possessions a game and do that exact thing and have success. And you can probably go to Carmelo Anthony for five times and have that type of success. And if not, at least both of those guys outside of Russ are deadly As three-point shooters. So I I think if they were to add another dynamic shooter, which is why Rodney Hood actually kind of gets interesting for them, especially if you're only giving up a guy like Terrence Ferguson, and you could get another, let's say, backup center, or a a guy like Ekbe Udo who can come in and help you play some defense, that deal really becomes interesting to me if I'm the Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City Thunder, and I
2: might be willing to make an upgrade. I think another interesting one to watch, Celtics, what they do with Marcus Smart. Yeah cuz him uh getting you dealing um, Marcus Smart uh giving you an oppor- another opportunity and it looks like Gordon Hayward is teasing you yeah. uh with uh coming back at least for a playoff run that team could get very interesting especially with with uh, the Cavs looking just so right. horrendous right. defensively you can you can get things done uh the other name i
1: would keep an eye on uh, Toronto Raptors are going to be good. I don't get the impression they're going to be buyers at the de- at the deadline, though, but maybe they could. Maybe they decide, you know what, we think this year actually we could win the East, and that's worth trying to go for. And actually believe that. If you think your window's even open slightly, stick a wedge in there and make sure that's the case and go and get a better player and try and get out there and improve. But right now what they've done so well is they've added depth. Let's see what, what happens uh, with Boston, though. I, I think that's really an, an interesting name. And Tariq Evans... Who's available yeah. right now from Memphis? Who the Jazz aren't going to see tomorrow night because he's been benched because they know they're going to trade him and they don't want to risk him getting hurt. He appears to be the number one target right now for the Boston Celtics if they can't get Lou Williams. If they get that other bench score, that just that becomes a good team that can play defense, that has a lot of dynamic players that can hit threes.
2: Back to your Raptors point, what do you think Valanciunas can fetch?
1: Probably almost nothing. Unfortunately, I like Valanciunas, but again, he's just kind of a dinosaur in the NBA. He doesn't shoot the three. He doesn't really step out and, and hit 18 footers. He can play well. We saw him have a career high against the Jazz. I was also stunned that his career high was 28 points. <laughs> like, I want you to accidentally have much bigger games than that. And, you know, Jody Meeks, I think, had a 50 point game. <laughs> Not that every player should accidentally have a 50 point game in, at some point in their career, but Jonas Valanciunas was the number five overall pick. I want you to accidentally sometimes, because of your size, have a 30.12 rebound game, and he's never done it.
2: But, um, being around Kyle Lowry and being around sure. DeMar DeRozan, you're sure. not going to get that opportunity.
1: I would trade him because I would try yeah. and get Pertle on the floor. Cause exactly. He's, I, and, and Siakam, they just, what Valanchunas does is just not, or Siakam, I apologize. He, what Valanchunas offers them is just not so crazy than what they, crazier than they already have.
2: Yeah. They, the fact that Pertle stepped up and, and been a player for them that obviously gives them uh, an opportunity to deal him. And I think if they can get anything for that, that would make them more interesting than they are now. But he's owed
1: $32 million over the next two years. Yeah. I, he might be untradeable.
2: I mean, I'd, I don't think that they have any moves available. That's why I think Boston's really the only other contender that could take out the Cavs.
1: Uh, so, and then let's see what Cleveland does. Cleveland still has LeBron James. And Cleveland, you know, I know right now they're a nightmare and they're losing games. They have no business losing and they're, they were up by 21 points earlier tonight. I mean, they're just a disaster. When it comes to how they're playing, let's see if they can shake up their roster a little bit, get some good players back, because they they were up by 21 in the second quarter of the Orlando Magic, and they lost by 18. They lost by 18. That's a 40-point swing that they had tonight on the road at Orlando. They desperately need a shake up, but they could go out because they have LeBron James, and if they get a guy like DeAndre Jordan, they could get really good really quick.
2: I just think they're so hampered by Isaiah Thomas. that I, I agree really- with you. They they need defense on the wing also.
1: They need another player who can go out there and play defense on the wing to really just just mask what Isaiah Thomas doesn't offer.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I think I said this when it happened that they got fleeced. Okay. Uh, you, I remember walking in here and going at, at it with you guys. As you I, were I doing like the show. deal for
1: Cleveland when it happened.
2: No, I know. Yeah, and I mean it just it's looking even worse and worse like a debacle because you knew he was injured. You right. knew the problem you had. Right. And you could have gotten out of it, right? And you didn't, right? And you let LeBron dictate what you're doing, and you let you let hubris get get the better of you. You got you couldn't allow Kyrie and LeBron to work it out, right?
1: It was it it has the chance to be one of the worst trades, yeah. From a contending team to take themselves from contending to being a total non factor, about as as bad as we've ever seen, maybe in NBA history, to being wheezing to wheezing their way. Now let's see what happens with this. Nets pick if it ends up as a number yeah. four pick and they go out and get Michael Porter and he looks like Kevin Durant 2.0 then okay you're probably okay with this trade that you made for Kyrie Irving who doesn't want to be in who didn't want to be in Cleveland anyways anyways this has been the Salt City hoop show he's JP Chunga filling in for Andy Larson I'm Ben Anderson you can find me on Twitter at Ben's hoops big thanks to everyone who tuned in today we'll have more for you on ESPN 700 breaking down the NBA trade deadline tomorrow and Thursday